785 Magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local or national. But doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets The Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ballots and Brews. As always, we have a great show ahead for you tonight. We are super, super pumped um, that we have city manager Brent Trout on the show with us tonight. You may be wondering, what exactly does the city manager do? Uh, We'll be talking with him about that and much, much more. Um, But first, as always, we are going to start off our night with beer and local beer. And so we are so thrilled to have uh, with us uh, the talk of the town tonight. Uh, We have... Have, uh, Joanna Becker, general, Man- general manager of the Burger Stand, with us. Joanna, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thank you so much for asking me. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mentioned you guys are, are the talk of the town moving to uh, a new location. And so we definitely want people to, yes. uh, to know about that. Um, and so, you know, as we, we get started off, first, congrats on, on making that move. I, I know you all are, are just kind of getting settled in there. Yeah, thank you so much. It has been quite the endeavor. Um, I'm sure. We are, <laughs> we are, um, really excited about our new location and we're glad to have most of the move finished with. We're just in our remodeling stage now. So, um, the closer that we can open up to the public, the better for us. Absolutely. And you know, I say new location. So do you want to remind people where you guys have moved to? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we are actually at, um, in the Brookwood Shopping Center. The address is 2833 Southwest 29th Street. Um, it's in the Brookwood Shopping Center at 29th and Oakley. We are just west of Dillon. Um, and this is a spot where the old boss hogs and pigskins used to be. So, yeah. and recently it was four guys. So, yeah. um, we're really grateful to be in this space. And I know a lot of people have really positive memories of being here and the past uh, restaurants that were here. So, um, but yeah, so we're looking to kind of make this our own now. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say that you're in some good company there. There's been some really great restaurants that have been there uh, over time as well. So it seems to be a pretty, pretty blessed location when it comes to, to food. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to even, you know, um, incorporate that in some of our um, menu items too. So thank oh, awesome. for that. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. That sounds exciting for sure. Well, and, you know, we mentioned you guys have just made that move over there. So can you talk a little bit about timeline? So I know you guys are doing some uh, to-go things kind of first um, before everything's all finalized for uh, dining scenes. So you want to talk to folks a little bit about what that timeline looks like? Oh, sure. Yeah. So right now we're only open from 5 to 9 in the evenings. Uh, and we closed on Sundays. We're only doing uh, takeout. Um, and then that leaves us during the day where we can actually work on the remodel and getting everything situated and cleaned and um, and then we're um, hoping sometime in April we open for lunch. Uh, we awesome. were hoping for April 1st. I don't know that we're going to make that at this point, but we are hoping uh, 
within a week, week or two afterwards, we open for lunch. And then uh, we plan on May 1st being our big open for dine-in. And uh, we are so excited to have everybody uh, be able to come in here and see what we've done and uh, see kind of our the new burger stands. Um, it's going to be a little bit different than what we had over at College Hill. Um, and we love College Hill. We love that area. We loved our, our restaurant there. Um, but this is going to be a little bit different. So it's going to be really, it's going to be a lot of fun. Sure. Well, yeah, and speaking of different, y'all, are there any plans or ideas you've got with that, that new space that you're looking forward to? Yeah. So we're going to have actually um, two areas that we can rent privately. Um, oh, okay. So if you remember in our old place, we had the Pong Bar, which we could uh, rent out to groups or events. And um, in this space, we actually have two spaces. Um, we will have an outdoor patio. Uh, we ha- we'll have two bars again. Uh, so we're awesome. actually making a bar in one of the far dining rooms. Um, yeah, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. I was going to say, yeah, it's a it's a different space for sure, but that's, that's I think this creates some new opportunities. So having that having those two private spaces um, available will be really great. Yeah, yes, especially around the holidays or um, graduations and everything, it can get really busy, and that also can cut down on the amount of public seating that we have available during those times. Oh sure. And while the square footage is actually a little bit smaller over here, we're going to be able to seat more people. Oh, okay. And um, I think the patio might be bigger. We're still waiting on word from that also. Sure. But um, so, yeah, we'll be able to fit more people in here. Um, we have a bigger bar in the front. So it's going to be pretty exciting. That's awesome. Well, and I think you know, yeah. are, are one of several businesses. It sounds like the Brookwood Shopping Center is kind of going through um, a little bit of an update there. So I think there's one or two uh, other businesses there that are kind of expanding and doing some work as well. Yeah, they, um, so yeah, Soul Fire's moving a couple doors down. Right now, they're our neighbors. They've been the sweetest. Um, and then, um, White Linen. No, that's the restaurant. Oh, the Linen Tree. <laughs> linen tree yeah. <laughs> the Linen Tree. I'm so sorry. The Linen Tree is actually expanding into where the Soul Fire is. So I think they're doubling their space. Oh, and wow. so we're really looking forward to, uh, meeting with them also. But yeah. It's been great coming over to uh, Brookwood Shopping Center, and um, you know it's all man or it's all local restaurants. Yeah. It's managed by a local company, real estate company, and um, the maintenance guy walked past the other day, and he said, "You know, in that little cove of yours where you're at, he's like they're all managed or owned by women." And I oh, thought wow. that was really cool. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool observation. Yeah. So, and that is cool. Well, man, I can imagine. It sounds like there could be some real fun, especially over the summer there, because you've got all that, the open area, too. That sounds like a fun place to hang out on the patio and even have, like, a little little get-together, a little party out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll have the patio area. And, you know, we're we're still looking to do a lot of the same events that we've had in the past, which has been um, live music, karaoke on Saturday night, um, beer dinners, uh uh, breweries coming in and being able to talk about their beer. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so we're, yeah, maybe trivia. I'm not sure what we're doing yet. So <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities here, and we are just so excited to get back open and have people in our restaurant. You know, it's, it's been a long time, and, uh, you know, the, the COVID has just been really um, stressful on restaurants. And oh, sure. We're excited to, to get it back open and to see our customers and, and, uh, Get back to having fun again. 
Absolutely. Well, and, you know, we should mention, too, so, of course, folks can stop by there and pick up their uh, takeout orders. And I think I saw online as well that I think you guys are doing delivery um, as well. Yes. So we're doing uh, delivery right now um, to kind of help us through. And then um, that's through Eat Street. Or you can go through our website, uh, and you can actually order either – Online or for a pickup or or delivery, excuse me, and it will take you to the respective website. But um, or you're welcome to call, um, and then just stop by the store, and uh, you'll come into the foyer, and then we have some great staff that's going to be ready to help you. Oh, awesome. That's cool. So, yes, yeah, so you got you folks out there should know you, you, you don't have to wait um, until that April time to get your burger stand fixed. You can actually head over there uh, right now on any of those evenings between five to nine or order from delivery. So it's exciting to know that we don't we don't have to wait that long to get our, our fix in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, we're ready. We've been people are really excited. We've had some really um, sweet customers that have come through here and and, uh, you know, are just ready for us to be open. And, and we match that excitement. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the past year, you, you kind of mentioned you've had different local breweries that come in. You guys have had different um, local beer uh, on tap as well. I know Happy Bass and that sort of thing. Is that still the plan at the new location too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're actually, um, um, we, we're going to plan to have, um, we always try to plan to have some local beers on tap, no matter what. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, this will be a place where you can find local beer, local breweries, um, and even hopefully maybe having some in here. Um, we'll have to talk about that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is, is having good beer and good local beer, you know, trying to showcase Absolutely. what we can do also. And so, um, the more we can, more we're able to talk about that, the more we can show it off to people, the better. For sure. Okay, I tell you what, uh, with your guys' new location, 29th Street's going to become a pretty happening place because, you know, you can start at, at uh, a burger stand and then you can just go down the road to, to Johnny's and then you can just keep going to Barrister's and the Happy Bassett. You can, you can have a lot of fun along yeah. 29th Street these days. Yeah, you can. Yeah, That's and awesome. we're all located within a couple miles of each other, so uh, yeah. That is, that is way cool, yo. It's good to see. Of course, I say this selfishly living out in that, that 21st and Wanamaker area, yo. It's kind of cool to see some things, some local things coming to the south side of town. Um, some more local options for folks. Yeah, especially in the Wanamaker scene where I feel like maybe a lot of it's chain restaurants. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to see a lot of uh, local businesses not only um, go into the southwest locations, but also do well in those locations. So we're really excited. Absolutely. That's very cool. Well, you know, anything else you should know? I know that um, online you've been talking about um, with, of course, the new location, there's some some job opportunities you have open as well. Yeah. So we're actually hiring for all our positions right now um, for our grand open. And so we are hiring for bar manager, bartenders, front of house, uh, front of house manager, and cook, specifically line cook. So um, if you have some experience and uh, want to come work with us, there's several different ways you can apply. So one way is through Facebook Jobs. Another way is come into the store and fill out a paper application and just uh, turn it back in or just give it to the people at the front. Or um, you can go to our website. Um, so you just Google the burger stand and then on the left-hand column under Jobs, and I'll ask you to uh, or uh, Load a resume, and okay. uh, you can send a message there. So yeah, awesome. 
Well, very cool. Well, there you go, folks. If you want to work for an awesome establishment um, and also earn uh, earn some good money while you're at, there's lots of ways for you to apply for uh, some new openings uh, at this at this new location as well. Uh, Joanna, anything else that uh, folks should know before uh, we get out here tonight? No, I think that's pretty much all. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, we're really just excited to be open up, you know, having customers in our restaurant and drinking beer and having fun, uh, listening to music or doing, you know, whatever events that we're doing is really what we're about. And um, I also wanted to say that we really love uh, partnering, partnering with local uh, nonprofits. Um, And so that um, if there are nonprofits out there that, um, that you'd like to work with us, please just uh, send us an email at Tika at Burger Stand Restaurant. Dot com. There's several that we've been working with in the past, um, and so we will be looking for to do some of those in the future. And um, so, yeah, we just really awesome. love, love being involved in the community and uh, having people in here. And we're so excited that soon, very soon, we'll, we'll <laughs> be able to do that. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's perfect timing too, as you know, if hopefully our, our trend with COVID numbers keeps going um in the way it has and those numbers stay down and, and you know more things can open up and people can be uh, uh move about more freely, you know, what what better way to celebrate that than going to an awesome place like Burger Stand? So so timing yeah. works out perfectly. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, folks, good. You know, that's a reminder at 5 to 9 p.m. Um, a day during the week there, uh, during the weekday time frame. Uh, feel free to stop by Burger Stand for your to-go order or order it um, online uh, for delivery or call in for uh, for delivery. And then be looking forward to uh, the time in April when you can head in there for lunch. And hopefully May 1st, looking forward to that big grand opening when we can all uh, hang out together down at the Burger Stand on 29th Street. Uh, Joanna, thanks again for stopping by tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, folks, go ahead and stay tuned. We're going to be back right after this break with our roundup. And as always, there is a lot to talk about happening at the state and local levels of government. But uh, we'll be back with that right after the break. You're listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. You're listening to Ballots and Brews on KSCF Digital Radio Topeka. For advertising opportunities, please go to 785live.com. Thanks for tuning in. All right, folks. Well, as always, there is a ton of stuff going on in state and local government that we need to talk about. So we're going to get right to it. Uh, starting, of course, in Top City, um, there was no city council meeting um, this week. Remember, the council just meets the first three Tuesdays of the month. So uh, this week was a bye week for them. Uh, look at me using sports ball terms and everything. Uh, one very big thing to note, though, that did happen uh, during a press conference this week, uh, Mayor Michelle De La Isla um, did announced that she will actually not uh, be running for a second term as mayor. Uh, Dale Isla is in her first term um, as mayor right now, having been elected back in 2017. Uh, Some of you will remember, of course, that she ran in the second congressional district race last year, uh, but was defeated by uh, Republican Jake LaTurner. Uh, The mayor hasn't said what her plans will include, only that she is exploring different options and that right now politics is not one of those. Uh, So this will set up a completely open mayor's race. Uh, so this will be a big opportunity for people to to jump in. Uh, no one has declared yet, um, but I'm sure that will happen post-haste. Um, it is important to know uh, Councilman Spencer Duncan, a current member of the city council, actually ran against uh, Daley Isla back in 2017 uh, before he
we got elected to the council himself, uh, so maybe he'll be giving it uh, a look to see if he wants to have a go at it again. Uh, you never know. So it'll be interesting to see um, who takes that seat, and we're going to talk a little later on the show about those local elections coming up this November. Uh, also in local news this week, something uh, uh, unrelated to the city council, um, or kind of related, it was their uh, police and community committee um, that met this week. Uh, I don't think we've talked about yet before, but this committee is a special committee that was really designed to kind of conduct a review of all the policies and practices of the city council, uh, or excuse me, of the police department, and then make recommendations to the city council. Um, the committee has met eight times since they started in October, um, and as the Topeka Capital Journal uh, reported this week, there those meetings have covered a wide range of topics, uh, everything from the use of force to police and community interactions, funding levels, and then some. Uh, the committee includes uh, Deputy Mayor Mike Padilla, who you got to hear from a couple weeks ago on this show, and of course, you'll recall he's a former law enforcement officer himself, and so that background has been important for uh, this committee's work. Um, the committee is getting pretty close to the end of its review period. Um, this week, they actually heard from members of the Governor's Commission on Racial Equity and Justice, um, who uh, went over their end-of-year report from last year, which include a number of potential recommendations that this committee can adopt uh, to refer to the uh, the City Council. Um, and so these uh, recommendations from uh, the Racial Equity and Justice uh, Commission are just uh, among a number of different uh, recommendations that the City Council, or that this committee could refer to um, the city council. They've looked at a number of different programs um, over the last few months. Uh, they heard previously about a program called uh, the Take Me Home program, uh, which is essentially a database of uh, adults and children who have difficulty communicating due to uh, a de- developmental or cognitive disability. Um, and so uh, this issue about how police officers um, communicate with those who have dis- uh, developmental disabilities has been a large area of focus um, for the committee and has been a large uh, area of focus out in the community as well. Um, so they've been really uh, paying special attention to that issue. And of course, one of the things they want to do too is talk with uh, more citizens and residents um, about potential recommendations that they could be making to the city council. So this has been a pretty wide-ranging um, review um, by this committee of uh, policies and practices of the Topeka Police Department. So it'll be interesting to see here in a couple months when they make their final recommendations to the city council um, on just what they what they recommend. On the county level, just across the street, it was a quiet week um, for our folks on the, the county commission. Uh, one thing to note, our new community health indicator, um, this being the artist formerly known as the COVID-19 dashboard, uh, came out this week. And y'all, our score is making like a Kansas legislator driving on the highway. It's going the wrong way. Our score increased by five points this week. It's up to seven this week, which keeps us just two points away from the orange substantial category that we don't want to be in. So look, y'all. It's very, 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 very simple. Wear the damn mask. For your assistance in complying with this, I have compiled a list of things that wearing a mask will, in fact, not do. Uh, Number one, it will not lead to the imposition of Sharia law or whatever other foreign law some of y'all apparently think is going to get conjured into existence by wearing a piece of fabric over your face. Uh, Number two, it will not lead to oxygen deprivation or other long-standing illnesses. Uh, Not only is there scientific evidence to back this up, there is also something called common sense. I'll put it to you this way. 
I am a large man. If my fat ass can manage to wear a mask and walk up and down stairs and do all other kinds of physical activity without passing out, you can too. And number three, it's not going to impact your dating life. Because chances are, if you're the type of person who pitches a fit about having to wear a piece of fabric across your face, there's probably other reasons people aren't swiping right on you. Anywho, y'all don't make me get sassy again. Do what we're supposed to do to protect our community and keep other people safe. And let's get past this. That's all I'm going to say about that. Moving on to the state level, uh, this, that bastion of sanity and well-reasoned, okay, I can't, it's been a hot mess at legislature, y'all, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to start, though, with some good news, uh, your Sunday fun day could be starting a little earlier this year, uh, that's right, the Kansas House did pass legislation that would move up the time for Sunday liquor sales from noon to 9 a.m., uh, the bill now heads to the Senate, so stay tuned. Um, and speaking of the Senate, they also passed a bill this week that expands the locations around the state fair where one can consume alcohol, uh, which is good. Uh, because, y'all, I've only been to the state fair once, and I needed a drink afterward. Um, there was a whole experience involving the state's largest chicken that kind of terrified me. And anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, side note, you gotta love all this boozy legislation coming up right at the same time the Senate Majority Leader is facing DUI charges. It would be like if I had to sit in hearings all day about how bad Chipotle, uh, how bad Chipotle is for your health after I just mainlined the state fajita burrito, uh, which I do uh, regularly. Uh, as for the rest of the week, it really was an example of a couple axioms of the Kansas legislature. Uh, one, nothing ever really dies during the session. Two, all politics really is local. And three, we are sometimes our own worst enemy. Uh, so starting with that first axiom, you might recall that recently the House vote, uh, voted down a measure that would have directed Kansas schools to have an in-person option available to all students by the end of this month. Well, guess what? It's back. And of course, it's back under the most annoying of circumstances. Uh, so the previous bill uh, required schools to have an in-person option by March 26th. Uh, this new provision, which has been slipped inside of a larger bill to kind of get around some things, does functionally the same thing, except they changed the date to March 31st instead of the 26th. And they restricted the effect of the bill to just this school year. Uh, you know that meme from The Office where Stanley just turns and rolls his eyes at the camera? Yeah, that's me right now. Of course, this legislation has been extensively debated beforehand, and the arguments still continue on, with Republicans arguing the negative impact of remote learning on students, while Democrats question whether this kind of authority rests with the state legislature at all, or if it should be really left uh, to school boards uh, or the State Board of Education. Um, it is worth mentioning, I think it was the Kansas Reflector that might have pointed this out on Twitter, that this issue really is uh, also something that's called a postcard issue. Uh, so what's a postcard issue, you ask? Um, you know how during election season you tend to get 13,000 huge postcards the size of Texas with some crappy black and white picture of the candidate's opponent listing all the horrible things they've done? That's what we're talking about, those postcards. Uh, this issue is one of the ones that's going to be on a postcard next fall where legislators will say, I voted to support kids and keep schools open. My opponent wanted to keep kids out of the classroom and also hates puppies or something, too. There's always other horrible things they've done as well. Uh, this issue is just one that's just ripe for that kind of framing um, in these communications. So it's very likely that we're going to see a lot of energy uh, behind this bill to see it get advanced forward. 
Um, also, along the lines of legislation never dying, it's important to note that the bill passed by the Senate last week um, that would have prohibited uh, transgender athletes from participating in sports. Um, of course, that needs to go to the House now, and it was scheduled for a hearing in the House this week, um, but it was actually uh, later pulled um, from the from the uh, calendar for that House committee. And that is a good thing for right now, but it is always very likely um, that that bill could rear its ugly head uh, either in committee again or you know, potentially slipped into something else later on. And so you always have to watch those things because a bill never truly dies until the session is over. And even then, it can find its way back sometimes. Uh, the next axiom uh, is all politics is local, um, or at least can be made local. Uh, so this is referring to the efforts of legislators this week who are spearheading an effort to prevent social media censorship. Uh, now, of course, we all know where this comes from, that there is a fear out there that ever since the orange one lost his Twitter account, um, and Pete's pulled the plug on Parler, that somehow people have it in to silence conservative voices on social media. Uh, as the Kansas Reflector reports, Senate Bill 187 would provide that censorship of, uh, of any harassing or objectionable materials that is a form of political expression would not be allowed. If people violated this rule, those violations would be reported to the Attorney General, who can then subsequently investigate. Uh, the bill instantly ran into questions, including how this would square other federal law, um, to which legislators responded that they have been working with other state legislatures to see similar laws passed so that they can kind of have a group effect with multiple states taking on these big tech giants. Um, and that is true. Um, other states have considered this legislation. Um, however, we'll use Utah um, as an example, a similarly r- ruby red state like Kansas. Uh, their Republican governor actually vetoed um, their bill, saying he was unsure it would stand up against uh, legal challenges. And there is a little bit of irony here. You know, one of the complaints from, from folks has been that the actions that Twitter took against former President Trump and other companies took against Parler constitute an eroding of the First Amendment, which is just simply not true. As we've talked about on this show before, the First Amendment protections only apply to government action against speech. Thus, since Facebook, Twitter, etc. are all private companies, they can regulate their content until the cows come home. However, what state legislators are proposing to do here as an effort to combat this kind of quote-unquote censorship actually is government action and therefore is subject uh, to potential violation of the First Amendment. Uh, Remember a couple weeks ago how we talked about Chad issues, i.e. those crazy sideshow issues that are distractions for more important things? Yeah, that's what this is. Uh, So finally, we're going to move on to the last axiom. Uh, We are sometimes our own worst enemy. Um, To that point, Governor Kelly actually announced that coming up on April 1st, she would be reissuing a statewide mask mandate order. Uh, House and Senate Republicans, fresh off of passing a new bill overhauling the Kansas Emergency Management Act, are eager to use their new powers to check the governor's uh, proposed new executive order and block it from taking effect. Uh, Specifically, the new law allows the Kansas legislature, by concurrent resolution in both chambers, to rescind any executive order of the governor. Uh, This is a power that Republicans are apparently aiming to use to thwart the governor's new executive order. So despite research from our own University of Kansas showing the efficacy of masks, along with research from numerous other institutions and the best recommendations of the Centers for Disease Control and the fact that counties across the state are moving to get rid of their mask orders, legislative leadership apparently does not think a statewide mask order is needed. 
You guys, I really miss the times when we weren't trying to actively undermine public health and jeopardize the health and safety of our citizens. Those were, those were good days. Uh, before we finish up, we should just mention, uh, say an honorable mention for craziest story of the week from the legislature. Um, goes out to the Anderson County resident who objected to the placement of wind turbines uh, near his property. Um, and in his testimony this week uh, before a committee, likened the placement of these wind farms to, quote, massage parlors and nightclubs. Um, so he is clearly not a fan. Um, also, are wind farms something different than what I thought they were? because I all of a sudden have lots of questions now. Uh, And there you have it, folks. It has been another crazy week in the world of government. We're going to take a break, but stick around because we'll be back with Topeka City Manager Brent Trout. So stay tuned. You're listening to Ballots and Brews on KSEF 785 Live Radio. All right, folks. Well, we are back, and we could not be any more excited to have our next guest on tonight's show. We are so pleased uh, to welcome Brent Trout, Topeka City Manager, on our show tonight. Thanks for being here, Brent. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So glad, so glad that we can have you here now. As we, as we get started, you know, there might be just a few people out there. This might surprise you, but there might be just a few folks who are not aware of what the city manager does. Uh, could you maybe explain for folks a little bit about what your role is and maybe how that differs from, for instance, what the mayor um, does for the city? Sure. My role is primarily the operation of the city's day-to-day functions. Um, all the employees of the city work directly underneath me, and I work with them in order to execute all the functions that a city has to perform, from police, fire, public works, utilities. All those things are part of my responsibility. Absolutely. So it's almost almost like being the CEO for, for the city in a lot of ways. It is. It is the CEO position. And in this case, you know, the mayor's role is kind of, uh, it is more of a policymaking role, kind of like a board of directors is what the mayor and the council perform like. And that's the, the way I liken it to. Absolutely. And you've been in the community since I believe it's 2017. Is that correct? Yep. I moved here in October of 2017. We came in Topeka at really kind of a, an exciting and, and unique time. You have lots going on from downtown revitalization to Momentum 2022 and all kinds of things. You know, what do you think has been kind of the most uh, exciting thing to be a part of since you first got here? Well, it's been exciting to see what's happened with the downtown redevelopment, that's for sure. That is an area that uh, is a strong indicator of the growth of a community. And there's been awesome things happen between the hotels, the restaurants, uh, and previous to me even getting here, they completed the streetscape. So that was really the start of it, I think. Uh, there are some other things that have happened that are exciting. We've seen Wheatfield Village development, uh, some of the other businesses that have grown within our community since in the last three years. There's really a lot of opportunity for people for finding work and being able to uh, find a way to make themselves a part of the community. Uh, we've also seen uh, a strong demand for housing. So we know that people are interested in moving in here, and that's exciting as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost hard to, to keep track of sometimes the number of things that are that are going on. Uh, and, you know, of course, there's been lots of things that have uh, have come before the city council here in uh, in recent weeks. You know, one of the things that we, we spent some time talking about last week, the Planning Commission um, actually recently uh, approved their downtown, uh, the downtown Topeka master plan that kind of looks out for, of course, the next 10 years um, about what could be happening uh, downtown. How 
how would you describe, you know, for folks who are curious, the, what the vision is for that future of downtown looking over the next 10 years? Well, it's a very vibrant downtown. Uh, there are opportunities to uh, have new development that occurs potentially with a, another hotel conference center, the possibility of other future downtown housing opportunities. That's exciting. And then looking even as detailed as potentially a, a downtown grocery store and really trying to make the downtown area uh, its own little microcosm of the community. And I think that's where we'll see growth go if everything falls into place. Absolutely. And, you know, for, for people who might be uh, curious, too, you know, we've, we've talked about downtown a lot um, in recent years um, in, in this community. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, why is it um, so important to have that revitalized downtown, that revitalized core for uh, the community? Because that might be a question that, that people have sometimes about why, why focus so much on downtown? Well, I think primarily people look at downtown, and if you have a vibrant downtown, then that is an indication of how the community is growing, uh, at least in this current day and age. That's very important. As we've looked at various other cities, that's something that we've seen. Absolutely. Well, it's been uh, pretty remarkable to see the, the turnaround that some communities have, have made with their downtown. And it's been, you know, it's uh, we once, ever since we started this process, we knew that it was going to be a, and we were going to be in it for the long haul. Um, but it is amazing to see the, the progress that, that we've made in, in the amount of time that we've been going at it. Most definitely. Well, you know, there's uh, there's always been you know conversation too about um, you know how do we invest uh, equitably in in the community? How do we you know ensure that um, all neighborhoods, all parts of our community are getting equal access to to resources, uh, to, to to development, and that sort of thing? You know, how do we um, as a city, and how do we as city government um, go about um, making that happen and, and allowing folks to to participate, making sure that um, all parts of our our, our city have that equal opportunity. Well, I think the primary way that we can make a difference at the city level is our investment in infrastructure in those various neighborhoods without the, throughout the community. Um, we've had a program called SORT that is a strengthening resources for targeted areas, and it's a program that's been around for 20 years where we make investments big in the way of infrastructure streets, sidewalks, a uh, number of other things in addition to housing in those parts of the community that are, are low to moderate income areas to make sure that we bring them up to a new level. And that's something that has been very popular and successful for the community. Each neighborhood that we've done that in has seen their, their indicators of health for that part of the, of the neighborhood improve. We're looking at now further developing that from the standpoint of uh, changing the program and we're calling it the dreams program and it's something that we're studying right now where we can still do sort but do other areas of the community in a more fractured way that maybe they only need a little bit of help in certain areas and we can spread that money around the different parts of the neighborhood more frequently uh, of the city more frequently. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's a, a great way, too, for um, for neighborhood members and community members to really uh, participate in that process as well and really get to work kind of hand-in-hand -hand with, uh, with city government. It definitely is because the neighborhood plans are developed by the members of the neighborhood, 
And that's what guides us as to where we make that investment in their infrastructure. Absolutely. And, you know, we should mention for folks that are listening uh, at home here, I know I myself have had a chance to participate, not in the in the SOAR process, but actually a step uh, down in another uh, grant process that um, the city has for, for neighborhood uh, revitalization. And it, it really is kind of amazing to watch because this really gets into the, the nitty-gritty um, of, uh, of development in these communities. And these, this is an opportunity where, where residents and neighbors have a chance to say, you know, this this sidewalk here has been has not worked for us for X number of years, or you know, this drainage right here has never um, drained well. What can we do about it? And so it's a really good opportunity for citizens to, to really uh, roll up their sleeves along with with uh, city government to really uh, address some critical uh, things, things that might not always seem big on the outset, but are really game changers for some of those communities. And so it's really neat to see those those projects happen across our community. It is. Um, and you know, speaking of, of equity issues, you know, there's been uh, continued conversations, um, especially in, in recent months, um, about the, the relationship between um, the, our police force and the community um, and thinking about ways that we strengthen that relationship and, and have open dialogue between uh, members of the community and our, our local police force. Um, you know, how do you think that process is, is going in our community? You know, what, are, what do you think we do really, really well? Um, and then are there areas that you'd like to, to see improvement uh, when it comes to, to that relationship? Well, I think we've done well at starting to identify where the breakdown occurs between our relationship with the police department and the community, um, helping to understand their viewpoint and and be able to make adjustments on how we provide that service. I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen happen. Uh, we continue to, to study this with the police and community committee. They're still in their process of looking at policies of the police department and of the city and before they make decisions. And I think that's still something that we need to finish out. There will be a, probably a set of recommendations that come out of that committee that then the full governing body will be able to consider. And, and from that, we'll start working on those to address them for long-term success uh, in our building our relationship. Absolutely. Well, and, and we should mention too, you know, actually our uh, former uh, police chief, Bill Cochran, um, is actually um, uh, is still employed now with the city in a, in a new capacity. Um, and you want to talk a, l- a little bit about the role that he'll be uh, playing with the city? Sure. Yeah, Bill Cochran is now my chief of staff. I'm utilizing him to help me with a number of projects that the city has going on. He allows uh, with his experience, be able to reach out in the community and make coordination on some of these types of things that we're dealing with. It's a great opportunity to have somebody that's experienced come into a role and assist me. Uh, it's a, it's a big job. The city has a lot of things going on and his, uh, his connections and his past experience of just managing a large department carry over well. And I think that uh, so far it's going really positive and I'm looking forward to more opportunities to utilize him going forward. We uh, spoke with, with Chief Cochran a couple months ago on, on our show. You know, one of the things that he uh, mentioned, and, and a couple of council members have, have talked about this on the show as well, is, is you know distinguishing between the uh, issues that are happening um, across the nation or in other communities um, and issues that are happening in our local community, and, and finding that you know we thankfully in, in some ways don't have some of the issues that other communities have, um, but yet at the same time we have our, our own challenges um, that that we focus on here, and so. I wonder, is that something that, that you would agree with as well, is that you know, being able to distinguish between some of the national conversation and some of our local conversations is, is important? It is. 
you know, I think we can't get away from what uh, people talk about at the national level because there is a certain amount of that that occurs at our level. But we have to make sure that we determine what are the things that we need to work at more specifically at the local level in order to build relationships and capacity. You know, you mentioned the, uh, that, that Strictly Police uh, Partnerships Committee. Can you talk a little bit about um, that committee and kind of who, uh, who, who, that, who sits on that committee? On the police and community? Right now, there's three council members. Uh, it's chaired by Sylvia Ortiz, District 2. Uh, you have Karen Hiller from District 1 and Deputy Mayor Mike Padilla from District 5. Um, and I, I mentioned, I forgot that there are a couple of committees. There was also a, I believe that we still have the Strengthening Police Partnerships Committee as well. We went through recent analysis of that, and they determined that there were enough of the items that were on their to-do list that they ended up deciding to disband. Gotcha. And so now we're waiting for the policing community uh, committee that the city council has to finish their work and decide what we need to have for an enduring committee. And that brings up, you know, that the next question is for, for folks who want to be more involved in, in city government and who want to uh, to be active or, and, and have some kind of role, you know, where, where would you recommend they, they get started? Well, I think the first thing to get started would be to get on the mailing list to receive the city council agenda each week that we have a meeting. Um, take a look at the list of issues that we're discussing and see if there's something of interest. If there is, tune into our meetings. Our meetings stream live. They're on Channel 4, uh, Facebook Live. And so there's opportunities to be able to tune in and hear how the governing body feels, listen to staff presentations, and determine if it's something that they want to uh, talk about themselves. And if there is, then come down to one of our meetings and give comment on that particular issue. Absolutely. You know, I think it's it's so important for people to know that, you know, this is the great thing I think about local government is that it's it's so much more accessible uh, than the other levels of government. And, and citizen feedback uh, really does matter. You know, it was interesting to hear at the last uh, council meeting, uh, Councilman Duncan had mentioned a uh, uh, something one of his constituents had brought up to him. It was, you know, regarding those overnight um, business licenses. And it was a constituent that said, hey, did you know that this still um, exists? And, you know, that, that issue made it to the, the governing body. And so it's always... Um, interesting. That happens lots of times where, you know, a council member will mention, hey, a constituent mentioned, or I've been getting a lot of emails about X, Y, Z, and those issues really do make it to, to the city council floor. They do. And oftentimes it starts as a simple idea and turns into a program or a policy that we're doing. Uh, yeah, we had to give, we always give a shout out on our show to, uh, Mr. Ledbetter, um, who's one of the faithful citizens, uh, that we know attends those, uh, those city council meetings. Um, but yeah, it's just an example of, of that kind of, uh, you know, attention and, and that kind of opportunity that people have, uh, to be able to attend those meetings and speak. And, you know, he, he lets council members know, um, you know, his thoughts on things and they, and he, and they, they listen to him and, and they get to ask questions of him as well. And so it's, you know, great to see that, that kind of interaction between citizens and, and the governing body. Yeah, it's really a hallmark of our government, and we are accessible to the public. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, before we, we let you get out of here today, uh, we did have one last thing we wanted to do. We did have some Topeka trivia uh, to play with you today, if that works for you. Yeah, that's fine. I'll see what I can get right. All right. These are, these are for uh, for everyone that's curious. These actually come from uh, quite an, an old uh, uh, book. This is actually a Topeka trivia book from circa 1987. Uh, it was compiled by a local resident here in Topeka, actually compiled 
compiled uh, these books of Topeka trivia. So a couple different different questions. So we've got question number one. Uh, famous for its spicy pickles and delicious chili, what Topeka staple restaurant uh, is located in the Little Russia neighborhood of Topeka? Well, that's one I can answer easily because I've been there a few times. Uh, Perovsky's. Absolutely. Perovsky's is great. Are you a fan of the spicy pickles? I do. Well, not the spicy pickles. The chili, yes. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, I, spicy food's not my thing in general, but then watching people cry as they eat things, with just you know, I think I'm just going to pass on that, but their chili is delicious. Yeah, and I've tried the pickles for, uh, me. <laughs> right. So you want, you want to preserve your taste, your taste buds and, and all that. <laughs> uh, this next one is, uh, true or false. In 1951, it was possible to catch a boat near the intersection of 4th and Kansas Avenue. You know, that's just so odd. It's probably true, but I don't know why. I don't know that for a fact, but when you ask a question like that, that's so, Odd to believe uh, it's it's probably true. <laughs> That's, uh, those are those are good instincts. That was in fact true. Uh, this was actually I wondered about this too. This was actually due to um, the flood. So the flood of 1951 uh, that occurred that year. Uh, the Kansas River would overflow its banks and actually brought the river uh, almost to the intersection of Fourth and Kansas. Um, so it was quite quite an event in Topeka's history at that at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was interesting too. So, Blue Cross of Blue Shield, Kansas, of course, a, a, a great employer here in the city of Topeka. They've been here a long time. They first set up shop in 1934. Um, when they did so, how many employees did they actually have um, at the time when they opened their office? Oh, it probably was low to start with, maybe 30. That, that was close. There is a three there. They actually only had three employees when they opened their first office. Uh, still, still located downtown, but started off with three employees. And gosh, I think they, they employ a little over a thousand. Uh, so grown quite a few, uh, quite a bit in the last, uh, last years. Um, this question, too, of course, will be interested to a lot of our listeners. In pre-World War II Topeka, uh, what private home that now serves as an event menu was considered the city's most elegant and most sought after for parties? Uh, I think I've been there, but I'm not remembering the name. That would be the Dillon House downtown. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna to say, you know, I, I miss going there. Of course, with with the pandemic and whatnot, I mean, to uh, stay away from venues. I know they're anxious to have people back. But yeah, that was that was the party house uh, back in back in the day in early Topeka. So it's kind of cool to to see it coming back as a venue nowadays. Yeah, the last event I went to there, I think, was the Artie party. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, gosh, it's got those, you know, those great views of the Capitol. It's got a great location down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got one final question here. So this one is, in 1882, one Topeka employer uh, was said to have more men on its payroll than the entire United States Army. Which employer was it? Well, I'm going to say it was the Burlington National Railroad. If it wasn't that railroad, it was probably the Union Pacific Railroad. You you are correct. It was BNSF. The BNSF Railway at the time was said to have more men employed than the United States Army. Uh, probably not quite as many employees today, but still, still a huge employer in our in our. Yep, very important employer. Absolutely, Brent. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Any other thoughts? Anything that coming up citywide that you would uh, let people know that to pay particular attention to that's coming up before council agenda or anything like that. No, not really. I think that uh, we covered a lot of areas that are important for us right now. So I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. 
Absolutely, Wong. You're always welcome to come on anytime. And folks, we'll remind you out there, go ahead and stay tuned after this break. We're going to finish things up, as we always do, with our Take Action Moment of the Night. So remember, you are listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 785 Radio. Welcome to the 785 Magazine. Independent artists get heard without having streams. In the millions, like Martin, we have a dream to fulfill destiny so savagely. My nose grinding a stone till we finally own what was owed to us in the first place. I'm home. Topeka is what you're hearing verbally vomiting through your speaker. Even if nobody ever discovered this ether. Teachers, artists, athletes, by the bleachers. Homeless people and rich folk all breathe the same air. Listen to the same audio. To the haters, adios. Love your neighbors like your bros. One community, one love, one fight. Gotta make a change, gotta make the shit right. Music is a documented representation of oneself and sometimes a whole damn nation. No matter where they from, it's a blessing they got live. Tune into the magazine of the 785, 785 magazine. 785 magazine. 785 magazine. 7885 magazine. Alrighty, everyone. Well, for tonight's Take Action Moment, as we wrap up the program tonight, we are going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, which is local elections. Um, now, I know it feels like we just got done with an election, um, and it feels like that election lasted 152 years. But the elections that are coming up this fall are probably the most consequential to your daily life. Um, if you just had a record scratch moment and thought, wait, what? It's not a numbered year. How are their elections? Well, that's why we're talking tonight. Uh, so what's the deal? So this fall, you get to vote in local city elections. Uh, that's right. This November, you can walk your happy voting self into the polling place. And if you live in an odd-numbered city council district, that being districts 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9, in case math was as much a challenge for you as it was for me growing up, uh, you get to vote uh, on a member of the Topeka City Council. But this year, the fun doesn't stop there because everyone, regardless of where you live in the city, also gets to vote, uh, as you heard earlier, on the mayor's position. So this is a mayoral election year. So in addition to those odd-numbered uh, city council seats and odd-numbered board of education seats, you also have the mayor's uh, uh, position that's up for uh, for grabs this year. Um, and as I just mentioned, so you have the odd-numbered city council. You also have those odd-numbered school board seats that are on the back as well. If you want a way to remember all this, um, just think how odd of a year it is and, and has been um, in more ways than one. So we're voting for odd-numbered seats on these governing bodies. So odd year, odd-numbered seats. Uh, so what do these positions even do? What happens if you get crazy enough to want to run for one of these spots? Uh, first off, you should totally do it. Um, you, there are, I can't even begin to tell you how many times uh, there are occasions where city council members will go virtually unopposed um, in their elections in certain in certain districts or in certain communities. Um, and even if you don't win your election, as you've heard city council members talk on, uh, on this program, the experience of running for a local office can be fun and rewarding and sometimes very comical um, along the way. I have lots of stories about going door to door that I can tell you later that are are quite humorous. Um, so it is, it can be a really great experience running for local elections, regardless of whether you win or not. Um, so just the lowdown on what's to come here in the next couple months. Uh, so the election this fall, this is a key point, is a nonpartisan election. So the folks who run in these local offices don't do so as Democrats or Republicans. Uh, the ballot is purely a nonpartisan ballot. 
Now, of course, we all know Topeka is the biggest small town ever. So if you know any of these folks personally, you probably know where they stand on some issues. But nevertheless, this is officially a nonpartisan election. So there are no party identifications on the ballot and the parties don't factor into the primary elections as well. Uh, Speaking of the primary, so the primary for these local races will be held on Tuesday, August 3rd. But Angel, if these are nonpartisan elections, how is there a primary? I'm so glad you asked. You didn't, but I'm going to assume you did. Uh, so there is a primary election for any race that has more than two candidates in it. Uh, so if you have a city council district that's got three candidates running, if there are three candidates that end up running for mayor, there's going to be a primary for those offices. After the primary, the top two candidates move on to the general election. So this is different than what happens in our regular presidential elections and midterm elections and things like that, where you've got a Democrat primary and a Republican primary, and then you're picking the representative of those parties to face each other in the general election. It's all different for these local elections. So the only reason, only time you'll have a primary is if you have more than two people running, and then we just pick the top two of those three or more uh, that are running to move on. It has nothing to do with parties. So it's a little different uh, for, for local elections. And so that means you have to pay a little bit of attention um, ahead of time to know if your city council district or board district um, or if the mayor's race will have a primary election. Uh, because, and this is often the case with many city council districts, there might only be two people running in that district, in which case there is no primary. Uh, so you'll just have to pay a little bit of attention before then, and even with the mayor's race, um, the mayor's race often does have more than two people run, so there is a good chance there could be a primary there, but you never know. Um, so that's just one reason uh, why it pays to, to pay attention ahead of these races. Uh, so once we get past the primary there in August, the date to mark down is Tuesday, November second. Uh, that is general election day. That is the day that everyone in the city of Topeka will go vote because again, even if you don't have, even if you don't live in one of those odd numbered city council districts, everyone gets to vote for mayor. Um, so you still have a, you still have the opportunity to go out and vote on election day, no matter where you live in the city of Topeka. Uh, so what should, what should you start doing now? Is now when you start picking out your election day outfit? Um, well, you guys don't have election day outfits? Well, anyway, some of us do. Uh, first things first, check your voter registration. Uh, especially if you've moved or done something crazy with your life since last election day, head to ksvotes.org. Uh, there you can enter in your information to find out, one, where you're registered to vote, two, check all the information to make sure it's accurate, and three, see which city council and school board districts you reside in. Now, remember, if you're odd, your district, that is, not you personally, you have a city council or school board race to vote in, in addition to the mayoral race for those that live in the city of Topeka. Um, All the lowdown on how to file for office, including the candidate packets and all that good stuff, is located actually on the Shawnee County Election Office homepage, and we'll be sure to post that link on our social media so you can find that on there as well. Um, Now, you've had a chance via this program to hear from almost half of the city council um, by now, Uh, but to learn more about each of them, and the duties of the city council and the mayor, you can just head to topeka.org slash city council. Uh, just some highlights to know. Uh, we'll start with the mayor's role, for instance. Um, it is, just like city council, it is not officially a full-time position. Um, however, the, the mayor's role does come with an office and staff to utilize. Um, and, and many past mayor, 
mayors and the current mayor will tell you, even though it's not officially a full-time position, uh, it can very much be a full-time position uh, between times for meetings, appearances, answering constituents, all those kinds of things. It is a very, very full job. So you technically could work another job um, and and serve as mayor, but it would be very, very difficult. Uh, the annual salary for the mayor is $40,000 a year, so there is a salary that's paid out. Um, the mayor serves a four-year term, and there are no term limits. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, um, uh, in the, the program, our current mayor, Michelle De La Isla, has said that she will not be running for re-election this year, so that does create an open uh, seat in the mayor's office. Uh, city council members, they also serve four-year terms with no limit on the number of terms they can serve. Uh, their annual salary is $20,000 a year. City council seats are officially part-time commitments. Um, you don't get an office as a city council member or anything like that. And most um, and most city council members um, do have other full-time jobs uh, that they work. Um, however, those folks, as some of them have indicated on here um, before, will tell you that their duties do consume um, a lot of their time. You know, in addition to the council meetings, which occur the first three Tuesdays of the month in the evening, um, they each serve on additional committees and spend additional time, you know, responding to consumers situates intending to other city business. And so it, it is a full commitment. Um, so, you know, what else can you do to prep for these upcoming elections? Well, you're in the right place, first off, because you're listening to this show, little ninja plug there. Um, but for real, pay attention to as many things as you can uh, to learn more about what's happening in your city government. If you don't already, follow the city on social media. Um, they're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I know that sounds totally like the nerd thing to do, but y'all, they post really good information. Um, you know, everything from uh, on the city's Facebook page, the city does a really great job on Facebook. They actually live stream all city meetings, um, all committee meetings, city council meetings, those kinds of things. So you can watch all those meetings happen live via Facebook. And they do a really good job of sharing um, uh, links to other information for constituents. You know, we talked about kind of that one-stop shop uh, that they have now for folks to be able to access city services that they link to from social media. So they're always pushing out um, good information. Um, but you have the opportunity uh, to watch uh, city council meetings and, and uh, city council committee meetings uh, live on the city's uh, Facebook page. Um, you can, as we mentioned before, you can actually attend city council meetings now if you're comfortable doing so. Um, they do have some limited seating available in the chambers um, and you can always uh, anytime speak at city council meetings and you can do that either virtually or in person um, at those city council meetings. Um, so all of that to say, folks, these elections are a big deal. Um, the mayor, city council members, board of ed members you elect will have a direct impact on your daily life. And yet, and yet, still somewhere around 17% of people voted in the last mayoral election. 17%, y'all. More people in this town probably vote for that Topeka's Best Awards thing that they do every year. More people probably vote for that than they did in the last mayoral election. Y'all, we have to do better than this. Uh, when you look at age demographics across the country, the median age of a voter in a mayoral election was 57. So when you think about that, think about the kind of communities, the kind of people you're electing, the kind of communities that you're uh, that you're creating as well. You know, we've got we've got work to do, folks. Uh, so this isn't going to be the last time you hear about local elections on the show. Uh, hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, I am confident that we can beat that 17 percent this year, but it's going to take all of us paying attention and then telling other people, telling our friends, telling our family members, telling our coworkers, letting people know, hey, there's an election coming up and it's a pretty big deal. 
know. Um, so it's going to take all of us to make that to make that happen. And folks, that is our show for tonight. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media if you don't already, at Ballots Brews on Twitter. And then, of course, we are Ballots and Brews on Facebook. We're always posting information. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Feel free to leave us a review on there if you'd like. We will be back next week. But until then, please, please, please make sure to wash your hands, wear your mask, keep up your social distancing, drink some good beer, and we'll see you next week here on Ballots and Brews on KSF 75 Live Radio. Right here is where I would say now for a brief word from our sponsors, but I'm just sitting here waiting for you to put words in my mouth. So for advertising opportunities, go to 785live.com.